Good to see you, friends, and welcome to the World Transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, one that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At the World Transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all, the one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us, and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-author, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic, not to mention amazing. Still basking in the glow from our 600th show on Monday. How are you, my friend? (laughs) Man, I am great. I am uh, doing fine, and uh, we got a fantastic show for tonight, too, don't we? I think it's an amazing Wednesday. We've got an amazing show tonight, and you've wind up quite a topic for us. We're going to talk about Elon Musk and a 1G colony on Mars. Stephen, take it away. All right. Well, I um, came across this blog article, uh, blog uh, uh, post uh, from David Kelly, and uh, I had not, not read any of uh, his stuff before. I've been to his blog, uh, uh, transhumanity.net. That uh, um, may be uh, something that uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be reading this guy's stuff uh, regularly now because I found this so fascinating. His, his uh, thesis here is that Musk has a, uh, the fundamental technology for a 1G colony on Mars. And uh, he sort of just, he, he kind of connects the dots here in this. Uh, obviously, he's made no secret of the fact he wants to go to Mars, and SpaceX is the vehicle for doing that, right? And uh, clearly, so there's that. But he gets into, you know, he says, but, uh, you know, also there's, uh, you know, uh, how are we going to get around when we get on Mars? And, uh, um, you know, uh, and also, you know, there's the, uh, uh, you know, the, the idea uh, that was presented in one of the new uh, the Mars specials that's been on TV recently was uh, perhaps we could have a, uh, a Gravitron type uh, uh, style city. Now, you, re- you recall these Gravitrons from like, uh, you know, uh, theme parks and things, right? Uh, right, Phil? We've all ridden these. I absolutely do not. The author uh, assumed everyone had heard of that. I had, to, I had to go Wikipedia that to understand what was okay. being discussed. So I think let's take a moment, explain what a Gravitron is, and then explain what a 1G colony is, because I think these are fundamental concepts to understanding this idea. Well, um, we, uh, there's a Gravitron at uh, Six Flags over Texas that, uh, that, that uh, Cheryl and I went and, and rode when we were, were dating way back when. This has been around a while, okay? So uh, this is an old Texas steampunk kind of technology. We're celebrating our 25th anniversary this year, and this was a couple of years before that. And it had been around probably 10 years at least before that. So, we're, yeah, we're talking like, 30, 40-year-old thing, okay, this, uh, a, a theme park ride. Basically, you get in this thing, and uh, I, it starts spinning you around, and at some point, uh, and, and it, you know, imagine a tin can, okay, a giant tin can. You're, you're, you get inside, and everybody is up against the, uh, the, the inner, inner wall, wall of the, the can, the, right, of the can, yeah. and they start spinning this can, and then the floor drops out, and you think, oh, my gosh, everybody's going to fall. No. Nobody falls because you're stuck against the wall of the gravitron. It's de- it's a demonstration of uh, of how uh, if you spin something you uh, you get pressed against uh, the the uh, wall. And uh, basically, the centrifugal you know, force mm-hmm. outweighs, if you will, uh, outdoes gravity at that point. 
So even though gravity right. still wants to pull you down to the ground, the centrifugal force is greater. And I've read where these gravitrons, which I don't know how I missed this because I love stuff like this, um, they will get you going to like 2 or 3 G. So basically yeah. gravity is pulling at you at 1 G, but this thing's pulling at you at 2. So it's the greater of the two forces. So the floor drops out. doesn't matter. The centrifugal force yeah. is, is, is going to hold you against that wall. That's right. And so, uh, and, and eventually, uh, you know, they, as they slow, uh, and they, they'll bring the floor up and then, you know, they'll slow the spin and, uh, and, and you're fine. And, um, but it's a, it's an it's a it's a weird experience uh, to you know to to see gravity just sort of give way to a, a greater force there. Well, there's this idea that you could do the same with an embanked train on the moon or Mars or someplace that has lesser gravity, um, and uh, you'd ha- obviously have to have a train that's going very fast on a bank I mean, on an embankment to account for the gravity that's already there on that body, right? And uh, so it's, it's sort of the idea of the spinning space station. Uh, of course, there's no G there, so you, there's no embankment. You're just uh, you're spinning, right? Um, and uh, but but there uh, you would you'd actually uh, would be on an embankment on a train spinning around, um, going fast enough to where you're creating one G gravity. Um, and it's a, it's a fascinating idea. And uh, so how do you do that? Well, you have to have a train that's going very fast. And the, uh, the Hyperloop is given as the idea by uh, this blogger, David Kelly, as that's how you do it. You would uh, you'd, you'd use a Hyperloop-type train, just like, uh, hey, wait a minute, Elon Musk, the guy that's getting us to Mars, is also doing that? Well, that's interesting. Well, what's the other thing you need to do to do that? Well, you'd need to be able to – you'd have to dig a lot. You'd have to – uh, have a huge amount of earth moving involved here um, on something like that. Wait a minute. Elon Musk is also doing he's the boring company, right? Yep. He's digging and, tunnels. Uh, he's building hyperloop trains. He's revolutionary, revolutionizing solar power with his uh, batteries for the, for the Tesla, right? He seems to, be, seems to be touching on several of these things, doesn't he? Yeah, that's right, and I so I and I and so that's basically where David Kelly stopped, and uh, I thought that was fascinating. And I said, well, let me go further. I mean, what else do you need to, on Mars? Well, you need uh, you don't have uh, you know um, uh, you don't have liquid fuel like you do on Earth, so um, you you better you better get real good at solar power and uh, battery technology, uh, you know, electric transportation. Um, and uh, also self-driving cars. Well, well, what do you know? Elon Musk is doing all those things too. Why do you need Pretty self-driving much. car technology? It's just spinning in a circle, right? <laughs> well, you need a you need a, you need self-driving cars, and you know to uh, to have robots out doing uh, doing various things uh, on the surface. You pr- you would want to have a, the capability, Phil, of of having. The uh, of having robots do much of this work, in a you know, and that might be uh, remote controlled by you know humans are staying inside of a facility uh, there on Mars and they're but they but they got rovers out uh, and so they you might be remote controlling these rovers at times, but other times you might just hit a button and say okay it's, we've we've done the work now uh, rover come on home click and um it, and it self drives back to the base right. I, I think that self-driving uh, technology is would be important for what you're doing on Mars. Certainly so let me just let me devil's advocate this just for a moment, and also just to kind of clarify the concept 
for those who okay. still aren't 100% tracking with us. So you got the regular Gravitron Carnival ride, which is right. working completely against gravity, and it's holding you it's holding you against the side, and you're actually in a in a kind of a precarious situation there because you're still being pulled out. At, 1G, and that's fighting with the 2 or 3Gs that the, that the Gravitron is using at you. Contrast that with the spinning wheel space station in 2001, A Space Odyssey, or all the places we've seen them since then. It's going to be spinning fast, and it gives you 1G acceleration, working against essentially no gravity. So you get something right. spinning out in space, and, and, and you get the gravity that you otherwise would not have had. This is much healthier for people, if you're going to be living in space long term, that they have gravity. It's important right. for your body so you don't, your muscles don't atrophy and all that kind of thing. Now, on Mars, what we're talking about is we're talking about building a big old train track that is not straight up and down like the tin can, um, yeah. nor is it a complete you know, loop like you would have out in space. It's just angled because now we're working with the gravity that exists. You've got a nice gravity well on Mars to begin with, and now we're going to add the centrifugal force to that to get you up to 1G. Right? right. Gravity's getting you right. so far, and then and then the centrifugal force will get you the rest of the way to one G. So you're living on this city that's that's not uh, parallel to the surface of Mars, but it's not perpendicular. It's at a little bit of an angle, uh, yeah. m- moving rapidly, and that that gets you to one G. Doesn't this take the whole idea of going to Mars and needlessly complicate it? Right? I mean, it's hard enough building a colony on Mars. Now you're going to make this big, moving monstrosity that's going to require huge amounts of energy. And what's the, you know, what's the advantage? Just the difference between the gravity that they already have on Mars and, and 1G? Or, or, or are there advantages I'm not seeing here? Well, I would suggest to you, Phil, that this is not step one. You know, that, you know Elon Musk doesn't land on Mars and the next day start building this thing. I would think that uh, you know, for a long time, people would be living on Mars and and habitats, and maybe wearing weighted clothing, you know, uh, to mm-hmm. help to help uh, compensate for uh, low gravity, uh, things like that. But uh, but you know, there's there's problems with that. You don't get all of the benefit of uh, of a one G just by wearing weighted clothing. Uh, for example, uh, we, there's a big problem with acid reflux with uh, astronauts. I mean, their their food wants to come up, right? And, right. Uh, and they they're constantly taking antacids and, and and eating foods that don't that don't produce a lot of acid. Things like that. There lots of things to compensate for 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 that problem. But uh, you know, weighted clothing doesn't really help with that. Uh, also, um, eyesight. Your eyeballs actually get start start uh, changing shape and it affects your eyesight uh, drastically after a while uh, in zero G. It would be less of a problem uh, on Mars because there's some gravity, but it's, uh, it's you know, um, and, but weighted clothing doesn't help with that. So I, I think, you know, this is, you know, 50 years on the road from the people first land on Mars. We have something where it's basically a hyperloop. And by the way, hyperloops, uh, they operate in a vacuum, which would be, Fairly, fairly easily. You're you're, ha- you're more than halfway there on the surface of Mars, right? Um, right. And so, uh, it, it, you know, you're almost uh, hyperlooping, uh, you know, without even trying, um, you know, uh, at that point. So it would it would be an easy thing to do, but it's not the first thing you do once you get there. So yeah, because um, you know, in terms of an engineering project, this would be one of the greatest ever pulled off. This, this right. big, you know, big spinning city, and it would be a permanent hyperloop, 
You wouldn't yeah. stop it every time somebody needed to get on or get off, right? There would have to be some kind of access onto this thing and, and back off. Yeah, you'd off have because... a second train that come up alongside it for people who wanted to get on off, you know? Uh, that you'd, okay, um, disembarking the loop uh, now, and the train comes right up, another second train comes right up in the, uh, next to it, attaches on, you get onto that train, and it stops. A single right. car, maybe. That's, that's how they'd work that, but they keep the city spinning permanently. You're right. So, so there it is. So how's, how's Elon Musk going to deliver this? What, what, one of the things that's cool about what you're saying is that this is not just a vision of the future. Here, Musk has already told us about colonies on Mars and pizza restaurants on Mars and people living there and having their, their lives there. And now he's even potentially, if he's really working on this, as, as the author of this piece suggests, he's thinking about the far future on Mars. He's thinking about how yeah. we how we improve quality of life going forward overall. And by the way, for those who don't know this number off the top of your head, apparently Mars gravity is about 38% of Earth's. So you might not have the acid reflux. You might have some of the vision problems, but definitely your body would be a lot weaker over time compared to what you would, you know, what you would be like living on Earth, which is maybe okay if you're only ever going to be on Mars. But if you're going to go back to Earth, if you're going to be back on in a 1G environment, you're in a lot of trouble. Interesting aspect of the TV show The Expanse on sci-fi is that people living in different parts of the solar system are adapted to different levels of gravity. And so you take you take somebody from one of the outer colonies and you put them on Earth and they're in really bad shape just because they they've been living in this much lower gravity all this time. Well, this would be a way to avoid that. This would be a way to have people be pretty much interchangeable between Earth and Mars because the people on Mars living in this city would still be adapted to an earth-like environment right 1g which is you know uh, uh and and there's probably things we can do to engineer ourselves but um this would uh uh, uh allow you know uh, n- normal unadapted humans to be able to uh live comfortably on mars so it's it's an interesting idea and so i i said well let's break this down let's look at where uh the various companies that Elon Musk has started, where they're at at this point. And I uh, thought that we'd kind of get into that just a little bit. And um, the first story is from Florida today, and it's talking about uh, some launches that, uh, that, um, that's being done right now or very soon. Um, looks like that SpaceX is scheduled to launch uh, for a, a British satellite company, uh, Immerstat, uh, and that's, that's going to be uh, launching uh, – uh, let's see. It's later in April. So, and then uh, they and and then the following. Uh, let's see here. Uh, yeah, April thirtieth is the next launch, and then there's going to be a, a launch uh, in May as well. So, uh, you know, they're um, they're you know they're after this uh, the success they had uh, back on March the thirtieth. They're um, uh, they're getting a lot of work. You know, yeah. people are uh, okay. Let's give this a, you know, give this a go. So they're going to be launching on a regular basis. And uh, and so I said, getting okay, some real momentum right. in place, it would seem, right? In in terms of that's right, just kind of making a regular presence in space for SpaceX. And so, you know, of course, then the next question is, well, are they going to actually launch people? Because that's something that SpaceX has not done yet, right? Right. And uh, at one point, it was, it was thought that uh, well, they're going to they're going to make their first uh, manned launch in 2017. Is that still a go? No, it's not. Uh, 2018 is uh, is now scheduled uh, for their first manned launch, 
And uh, it was put off after that uh, after that uh, accident on the pad where where one of the other craft blew up, and that that happened late last year, I, I believe. Correct. So um, that's right. Yeah. And after that, um, and, you know, uh, SpaceX and NASA agreed. Let's take some time and make sure everything's good, uh, so that before we actually put people on board one of these. And uh, so there, the thought is um, that. Um, that they will uh, launch in uh, in early 2018, and then, uh, as you know, Phil, they uh, they're they're still on go uh, presently for uh, launching uh, people around the moon in 2018. So uh, also, and, and that'll be late 2018. Uh, they're thinking maybe perhaps November of 2018. So, so you know, uh, if you're wondering, can SpaceX ever get us to Mars? Well, this time next year, or sometime late next year, they might have gotten as far as the moon. And that's not nothing. That's pretty good progress. That's not actually. nothing. It's uh, they, they will be doing it with the Falcon Heavy, which will be tested this summer. The right. Falcon Heavy, for the first time, will launch this summer, and uh, that's that is the uh, the craft that's uh, it's about two thirds the power of a Saturn V, mm-hmm. um, double the power of anything that's currently being used in the world, um, and so that's that's what they're going to use to. Uh, to, to, uh, to as as the beginning of uh, what they're going to be using to go to Mars with. So um, there's that. So okay, so that's the new that's the news with SpaceX. Um, Fortune um, published last week uh, a, uh, a story on how SpaceX is going to be do, uh, hosting the second annual Hyperloop competition, and um, that's uh, that's coming up. Uh, uh, first the first Hyperloop competition I believe was won by Texas A and M. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know they they actually are, are building some pods to go inside these things, and uh, and 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 whoever can get it up to the uh, get their pod up to the fastest speed wins. So pretty simple, right? Um, that to me that's fun and 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 fascinating that uh, that they're that it's all Hyperloop competition, isn't it, Phil? Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Well, you know, we we talked on Monday about how Hyperloop can step in and solve problems that we've never even thought about it addressing. And if you remember about a month ago when we had Thomas Frey on, he was talking about kind of a new golden age being uh, being introduced pretty much through hyper, Hyperloop technology, it being this kind of transformative technology that that brings the world together. So uh, it's 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 great to see progress with the Hyperloop. I think there's there's just so much potential for Hyperloop technology in so many areas. Um, and uh, here we see another step forward with it. Yeah. It's uh, it's funny. Uh, the, the Fortune article talks about <coughs> how um, it's, they, they find it interesting that a space company would be involved in terrestrial transportation, but they don't, they don't, they don't dwell on that too long. Um, yeah. I, 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 I find it interesting also, but uh, uh, in context with what we were just talking about. Anyway, um, okay, so the next Perhaps it's not terrestrial at all, you know, that's the thing. Yeah, that's right. Martian uh, transportation. Potentially using it on uh, Mars and other places. Basic Martian uh, infrastructure in this case, because you're, (laughs) you know, it's not, you're not getting anywhere. You're just, that's how you build a city long term on Mars, maybe. Perhaps, but uh, maybe also you use it to get somewhere on Mars. Maybe you've got more than one colony on Mars at some point, and uh, you connect them. How you connect them? Uh, Hyperloop would probably be the best right. way. Okay. Um, also, the Boring Company, uh, the latest news on that, uh, they've got uh, uh, presently, a, uh, it's, it's, this is a brand-new thing, by the way, um, launched 
basically by a couple of tweets that Elon Musk has uh, had. But apparently he's been thinking about it a while. Uh, there's now a single employee for the boring company, uh, Steve Davis. He's a, he is a senior, a senior engineer again. Hey, look at this, SpaceX. Okay. Right. Um, being, being brought over to, uh, to, to just, hey, well, let's, let's think about this digging business. Well, in some ways, this, this, new, this business has some things in common with, with space. Well, how, how, you know, what could be less in common with space than, than boring and uh, digging in the ground? And um, here's the thing. Um, you know, some numbers are, are listed here in this article at Bloomberg. Uh, $2.4 billion and 10 years to, to dig a 2.6-mile tunnel. That's with today's technology. Has not right. changed in 50 years. Much like you know, rocketry hadn't changed hardly in 50 years, and um, and and you know, and it still it was as expensive as ever until SpaceX started looking at the problem and ways to bring down the cost. Um, you know, what if uh, what if we did the same thing with a boring company? So, you know, in other words, here's Elon Musk looks at this and says, "Hey, there's there's an opportunity for improvement. We can uh, if we can have the cost of." Um, of, of digging at 2.6 miles and maybe half the amount of time that it takes, maybe instead of taking 10 years, uh, we can dig that 2.6 miles in five, you know, um, and, and, and cost half. Then, you know, I, I've got a business, right? I've got a working business. So that's, that's, that's what he's looking at, and there's certainly a big need for it here on Earth. But uh, what about places like Mars where there's radiation being bathed down on the surface of the planet, and perhaps we need to be underground? Um, you know, for a long time, there's been discussion of how much more effective a moon colony might be if it were underground, that that might ultimately be the, the right way to do it. Because you talk about you've got to build these domes, you've got to build all this protection. It's like, well, maybe you just put the whole thing underground. And so, yeah, right. suddenly Elon Musk, who really is solving a real-world problem here, potentially, who tweets right. about traffic that he really is encountering, might have a much bigger, much more ambitious plan in mind for what we do with this boring technology, because it, it could also work that way on Mars, and it's one, of the, it's one of the ways that's discussed. How do you create a pressurized environment? How do you create an environment that's, that's hospitable to humans on Mars? One of the ways to do that might be to have the whole thing, or a lot of it, most of it, underground. It also would be a great technology to use for putting this, uh, this big spinning city in place, wouldn't it? Absolutely. So, yeah, that's, um, uh, again, uh, there's, there's, you know, more than one thing he's attempting to do perhaps here. Okay, so what's the, what's the next thing? Uh, well, there's Solar City, and that is uh, a company of his that uh, I believe has actually been purchased now by Tesla. That raised some eyebrows, uh, but uh, Solar City is, um, uh, you know, uh, they, they, you know. Also, they're doing batteries and everything else, and I, that's important. You, you know, you want to be able to produce lots of electricity. What's the best way to do it? That's low impact on the environment. Uh, you know, solar is is one of those one of those ways. And what's the latest news on the, these guys? Well, they're um, they're they're building what would amount to solar panels that look like normal roofing, and uh, that. Uh, you can you can put on the roof of your house, and uh, it looks sometimes uh, they can look like shingles, or they can look like um, uh, other types of normal, uh, you know, attractive looking uh, rooftops instead of the. Uh, let's admit it, 
ugly solar panels that you right. uh, that we see now, right? <laughs> Big, bulky, clunky solar panels that we're all used to, exactly. So how in the world does that relate to space? Well, I, I, I admit this is maybe a little bit more of a reach than the other things, the other connections we're making, but uh, the ability to adapt uh, our solar technology to, in new ways, right, Phil? I mean, to be able to uh, put put solar technology on on uh, in, you know on different surfaces and different environments, you know that's kind of what Solar City is doing here. And uh, you know, yeah, we're probably not going to use the uh, uh, shingles that look like a, a normal roof on Mars, uh, but uh, we 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 certainly probably will not use the regular solar panels that we see now either. We'll, we'll right. probably need something that's different and engineered to be different for that environment. And the fact that they're showing some, uh, some ability to, to adapt to in, uh, their solar technology in different ways uh, is encouraging in that, in that regard. So it's a little more of a reach, but uh, I, I see that Solar City is, uh, is making some progress also. So I'm, I'm going to count it. <laughs> I hope you do too. Absolutely. So, you're you're right. building quite a case here. What's next? Okay, next is Tesla. So what are they up to? Well, um, some of the latest news with Tesla is that, um, and we've mentioned this on the show, uh, all the Tesla cars being rolled out now, even though they're not uh, self-driving cars now, they all have the necessary hardware on them to become self-driving cars. All you would need is a software patch. You know, when the software is there and it's safe enough, uh, you know, according to the, the, uh, the Tesla people, they will release it and... Yeah, hey, your your roadster just became self-driving. You know, you can tell it to take you home instead of having to drive it if you don't want to. So, right. um, you know, and that, what what do I mean by hardware? I'm talking about all the sensors that surround the vehicle, so they can look in all directions at the same time. It, it's got the computer already in place. Everything. All it needs, literally, all it needs is the software. And uh, uh, so that's. And again, I, and we've mentioned the importance of uh, you know self-driving technology once you get to Mars, and uh, um, and that's and I think that's part of the picture there. So. Well, go go ahead and remind us why we need a self-driving car on Mars. Okay, again, we, there's uh, nowhere to go on Mars. Why do you need a self-driving car? It's a, well, you're gonna you're gonna have rovers on Mars, and uh, sometimes there'll be uh, and you know you you know and if we're on Mars uh, then often they'll be remote controlled but often uh, we'll have these rovers out doing their own things because again um, you you want to you want work to be done on Mars constantly once once uh, you have a presence there and uh, sometimes that'll be with human involvement and sometimes not yeah, and when you think about this robotic workforce on Mars that's helping to create these colonies sustain these colonies the, they will be based on Basically, I mean, their core will be an autonomous vehicle. They'll be an autonomous that's vehicle right. that does other things. That's that's basically what those robots will be. And you'll you'll have autonomous vehicles flying above the surface. You'll have autonomous vehicles on the surface, and you'll have autonomous boring machines under the surface on Mars. And um, and so, again, that's that's all important. So, okay. So what's what's uh, and and here's another here's another story. Um, so Tesla is uh, is going to be rolling out this September, an electric semi-truck, okay? And uh, they still have some range problems. Uh, in order to, uh, in order to uh, power a semi-truck for 500 miles, the batteries would be uh, basically half the weight of the truck with current batteries. 
And uh, obviously, the, the more efficient you can make the batteries, 30, uh, let's say, um, and for example, uh, Tesla has announced that they're, they're going to be rolling out batteries that are 30% more efficient. Well, what that means for something like this is 30% less weight is how that would translate. And so... Um, not bad. I, 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 not bad. So um, will these uh, vehicles be ready for prime time when, they, when uh, the prototype rolls out in September? I doubt it. Um, it, you know, for a while it's going to be uh, that uh, it just won't be able to compete uh, on a, you know, uh, on a weight to power ratio with, with the diesel trucks. But um, it's interesting that he's going in that direction. What, a, you know, what is he thinking? Well, perhaps part of what his thinking is, Phil, is that uh, we'll need large transportation, uh, large, large vehicles on Mars. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, he, he's pushing himself in that direction to, uh, to power them electrically. And so that's, that's, that's one potential uh, thing that he could be thinking about. Um, so I'm a, I, I find all of this fascinating and how well this thesis seems to hold up uh, the, more, the more I look at it. That, uh, well, I've got to say, much, you know, if, you, if, you look at, if you look at everything you've just talked us through, um, David J. Kelly's argument that, that Musk has in mind to build a 1G colony on Mars, there's some evidence there. But one thing becomes very clear is that every single thing Elon Musk is doing, you think he's doing all this disparate stuff that he's this Renaissance man who's into all these different areas. Actually, all of those areas apply to his big vision of going to Mars, don't they? It all seems connected yeah. when you look at it. Whether, whether he's building a 1G colony there or not, every single thing you talked about has applicability to putting a colony, to putting people on Mars and, and having a sustainable colony there. That's right. Now, I, there are two pieces of prerequisite technology. I call it that because I just think it's probably necessary for uh, uh, a colony on Mars that Elon Musk is not doing, at least presently. And one of them is AI. Okay, and mm -hmm. now uh, to the extent that, uh, say, Tesla is working on uh, self-driving cars, then perhaps they, they are into AI to some extent. But, uh, you know, Elon Musk is warned about summoning the demon, how, how dangerous right. uh, artificial general intelligence could be. So maybe he's a little scared of that. And uh, I think, um, and, and rightly so, there, there's some reasons to, uh, to be concerned uh, about it. But uh, he, he's not big into that Perhaps other companies, so like Google, uh, will provide what's necessary uh, for a Martian colony. Also, 3D printing. Uh, as far as I know, Elon Musk is not doing a lot of 3D printing uh, stuff, and I think that will be necessary. We have to be able to produce locally all the things that are needed uh, when you get there, right? I mean, you, you may not foresee all that you need, or maybe some key piece of uh, – infrastructure breaks and you need to be able to fix it right there how do you do that well you need to be able to manufacture whatever it is you need whenever you need it and uh so i say 3d tech is going to be extremely important so prediction steven watch for elon musk to make a move into 3d printing over the next couple of years i would think so or acquire some company that's doing it yeah and uh yeah. and so I, I would not be at all surprised so there's uh, one company right now that's uh uh, specifically working on 3D tech in zero-G or low-G environments. I watch for him to acquire something like that. I find that, I find that likely. All right. Well, we'll so. watch this space, see what Elon Musk has in mind next. Stephen, you know what? We ran out of time on this. Actually, we went over a little bit, but uh, I think you make a great case. 
And Elon Musk just provides us a wealth of ongoing material for the show, doesn't he? We'll have to revisit <laughs> this again uh, in the near future. Thanks for, thanks for putting that all together. Thank you all for being with us. We're going to be back again on Friday with another brand new show. We look forward to being with you all then. And until next time, live to see it.